Under the Cover Book Review, an action coach podcast. Episode 3, a book review of The Wealth Coach, presented by John Asquith with special guest Brad Sugars. So welcome to today's podcast, Under the Covers with uh, John Asquith, where we speak to the authors of the books themselves. Um, I don't say this lightly, today is a very special day. It's a biggie that you need to sit down, get a pen and some paper and make some serious notes. Today we interview a best-selling author who's written, now when I wrote this, I put 15, but now it's 16 and I think it might even be 18. So every time that I write something about this guy, it's always out of date straight away. And his books have been anything from creating cash flow in your company, systemizing your business, team building, leadership, so much more. And for anybody that hasn't read Brad's instant series, they're an absolute must for any business owner. I'll post a link below on where you can get those and maybe squeeze Brad for a bulk discount, but don't hold me on that. Today we'll discuss his new book, The Wealth Coach. Um, To all the listeners out there right now, it's very rare that you come across a multi-talented entrepreneur. You know, some will write, some create, some innovate, some do. Not many do all of the above and more. So my guest today has self-financed and started over 30 companies himself. He's also invested in dozens of organizations over the past two decades. He was a multi-millionaire and financially retired at the tender age of 24, has helped turn around thousands of companies worldwide. He's a best-selling author, investor, teacher, edutainer, coach and advisor to the World Bank. So, Brad, my first question is, what do you do with all your spare time? <laughs> you know, uh, one thing you didn't mention in there is that I also have five children. So, <laughs> there's no such thing as spare time in my life. Uh, but, uh, I, I'd say, if, if I was to say there's one thing I do in my spare time, that is I'm an honophile. I collect wine. So, uh, actually, I, I, I must change that. I don't actually collect wine. I, I uh, consume. You drink a lot of wine. Don't buy the wine for it to sit there and collect dust. I buy the wine to enjoy it. So, um, but no, with five kids, buddy, uh, spare time doesn't exist. But uh, I, I'm going to get that the video of you uh, doing that intro. I'll play that everywhere in the world now. I think that's great. Uh, in all seniors, serious, Brad. Um, I'm extremely humble. What's that? In all seriousness, I'm extremely humbled to interview you. Not many people get the chance to interview their business idols. I know you speak about Jim a lot, Jim Rohn, mm-hmm. in a similar way that I do when I speak about you when I'm presenting from stage and speaking to businesses here in the UK. You know, I've researched you for over a decade. I've read every book that you've written. Um, I've been to dozens of your workshops, and I'm fortunate enough to be part of one of your companies at least, and I share that same vision. Um, you know, the, the series is all about learning from ones that have done mm-hmm. um, and lots of people speak about entrepreneurship but not many people have been there done it and wore the wore the t-shirt so my first question is when did you decide to go big um there was a there was a time when uh, i was actually in Auckland, new zealand at the time and uh, i sat down and, and there's a particular book i was reading and it it basically asked the question, if you're going to do it, what size are you going to do it? And uh, I think it just came down to the fact that I had to sit there and say, Listen, if this is going to be done, it has to be done properly. If this is going to be done, I don't want to be the best business coach in Brisbane, Australia. I want to be the best business coach in the world. Um, and 
then it, it, a little bit later it actually occurred to me because for the first few years I thought being the best business coach in the world was the uh, was the goal. And then I realised the goal wasn't for me to be the best business coach in the world, but for me to build the best business coaching company in the world, and therefore have a lot of other people who are much better coaches than me uh, out there doing the work. And my job was to build the business and give them the systems and the and the skill set to do that. And, um, I think I, I have a fairly distinct advantage over a lot of people in that I look at complex things and. And, and from that creates simple models from it. Like, you know, our five ways to grow a business leads conversion, the, the multiplier effect of that, or, or the six steps that I teach in, in the business coach, or and even with the wealth coach that, that you brought up for today, it's just simple philosophies and models that make success a reality and be that success in life, in business, uh, in parenting, in, in wealth, whatever subject it's, if you can create a model that is simple enough for people to learn, understand, apply, and teach, then then you've won type thing. I know a lot of our clients around the world have become educators of their friends purely because what they learn, they can then teach other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you probably already answered the next question, but I'd like you to elaborate on it a little bit. Um, you know, there's so many people that start out in entrepreneurship and for the thousands of people that are going to be listening and, and some watching this, they're all on that first ladder of their entrepreneurial journey. You know, they've probably fallen out with a boss or decided that they want to do this themselves and they're out there trying. What, what do you think are the skills that you need to really become great at to be a successful or wealthy entrepreneur? Uh, all of them. <laughs> as an entrepreneur is that you need to be good at sales good at marketing good at finance good at legals good at all of the different areas of business and that's where most business owners fall down is that you know they, let's say they started a hairdressing business they think their job is to be the best hairdresser no no your job is to employ the best hairdressers and run a great business so you've got to learn to be an, uh, an entrepreneur and it's that learning work that's actually the hardest work there is. And that's, you know, was it, uh, I think it was Ford or someone said, you know, learning is the hardest work. That's why so few people engage in it. Um, my dad taught me when I was a kid. He said, son, you can get paid to work from the neck up or the neck down. Neck down pays less, neck up pays more. So, you know, if you if you paid to think, you, you'll do better than someone who's paid to lift or move or do stuff. Um, if you're an entrepreneur, I guess, First and foremost, I'd say the number, t the two top key skills are the, the, the business generation, so sales and marketing. That's number one. Business development would be number one. Number two is people. So if, if you can learn to generate business, um, marketing, sales, either side of it, and you can learn to manage and work with and lead people, then you've got the two core skills of business. Um, ultimately, long-term success in business comes from people. Um, you don't build your business, your people do. How you build your people determines how they build your business. Now, you are one of your own employees, so how you build you is, is the starting block, especially if it's a, a solopreneur where it's just you. The amount of energy you put into your learning and your growth determines the speed with which the business grows. As, far as, as fast as you grow, the business grows. That's a good one. You can, I think um, 
one of the things that I really coined on to that you taught me, God, um, 14 years ago, is you can never out, um, out earn your learning. Mm. Nice you and know, simple, but... So well, you got to learn, you gotta learn before you earn. I mean, the formula that I teach is, is dream, goal, learn, plan, act. So build your dreams, absolutely. Turn your dreams into goals, uh, but then you've got to go and learn. You know, if you, if you had a goal of doubling your business, you can't just write the goal down and then go, yeah, but it's our goal, let's go for it. You've then got to go and go, well, okay, let's study a few companies that have doubled their business. Let's go and learn this stuff. Um, and then you write the plan, because if, if you didn't do the learning before you wrote the plan, you just end up with a plan that says, do the same stuff we did last year, because we don't know any different. Um, and then go to work. But, yeah, look, those, that five-step formula for success is really simple, and um, I, I always find it interesting when people... Uh, when people miss one of those five steps, it's, it's hard to be successful if you're missing one of them. Yeah. You know? Just having goals without dreams, your goals are going to be way too small. Just having dreams without goals, you're just going to be a, a you know, you're going to sit hope and wonder type thing. But, um, success is a lot easier than most people make it out to be John. It's, it's, but you've got to learn it first. I mean, you can't expect to... You can't expect to go and be a great golfer without learning golf. So why do people expect to be successful at wealth or anything without learning it first? Money is a subject you have to study. It's not a subject that magically you knew how to do. Now, see, like, you know, with five kids, parenting. Dang, I remember when, when my wife fell pregnant with twins, first thing I did was go and buy half a dozen books on how to raise twins because I had no clue how to raise twins. Dang, that, you know. They say it's twice as tough, it's not true, it's three times. <laughs> so you, you always talk about um, educating yourself and you always talk about other people educating themselves if they want to want to get better. So maybe this is a, too much of a tricky question to ask you, but I might be able to split it into two. So what's your favourite book or the book that you could turn back and say that was the one that was a game changer for me? I'll say the game changer was How to Win Friends and Influence People because it was the first positive thinking book I ever read. Um, it was the first book I read that was not assigned to me at school or assigned to me at university or a storybook. Um, so that was the first game changer. I would say the other, it'd probably be half a dozen others, but the, the ones that come straight to mind, um, my Life in Advertising and Scientific Advertising by Claude Hopkins. Um, tested Advertising Methods, John Capels. Now, these were written in 1920s, 1950s. Um, but the principles of marketing still haven't changed. The mediums have changed. You know, now we're advertising on LinkedIn rather than in the newspaper as much or, you know what I mean? But the principles yeah. of marketing still remain the same. Um, Gerber, the e-myth, probably another game changer. Um, Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Um, but, you know, his, the Rich Dad, Keith Cunningham, his books are great as well. Um, Jimmy Rohn, you mentioned earlier. But it's, it's, it's hard not to get into starting this reading and not fall in love, but I would just always go to the bookstore every week and find what grabbed me that week because each week different things sort of excite you. Um, I've still subscribed to Jim Rohn's theory of read a book a week. It's almost no. right. It's almost write a book a week these days. <laughs> I was going to say, more the other way around. Um, so that, that's what Jim Rohn, you went to a seminar of his, right? And that's what 
You asked yeah, him a question. 16 years old, Brisbane City Town Hall, Jim Rohn seminar. And uh, two, two great privileges from that. He had like uh, 1,800 people in the room. And uh, I sat there and thought, geez, I'd love to do that one day. And uh, not more than, oh, I mean, when I was 24. So what's that, eight years later, I did the same. And then when I was 31, I, got to, I, I was the opening act for Mr. Ryan. I was like his, and I remember taking my notes down to the green room before the event, showing him my notes when I was 16, saying, Mr. Ryan, I'd love you to see my notes when I was 16. You signed them for me. And he said, oh, let me, let me read through your notes. And he said, please call me Jim. I said, yes, Mr. Ryan. Uh, <laughs> certain people that have earned that right. Absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit more about The Wealth Coach then. So why write this book now? Well, there was a gap in the books that I've written. I wrote Billionaire in Training that taught people the path to wealth that helped them understand through the business profile. You know, what is, these are the steps you've got to learn and how you grow as a business owner that will create real wealth for you. Because ultimately a billionaire I mean, millionaire's not rich anymore. It's, it's, you know, you shoot for billionaire, and even if you fall short, you only get 80 mil, you're still okay. Uh, <laughs> be a bit facetious there. <laughs> and then I wrote The Real Estate Coach about how to actually invest in real estate. But it wasn't a book that tied it all together and said, these are the principles of wealth. These are the core principles of how wealth is actually created and what you need to learn to do that. And my, my challenge and the reason I wrote it as a parable, as a story, is because most books on wealth are so dry and so boring that it's like, oh, my goodness, you can't get, you get through chapter one and you stop. So I found that by writing it as a story, I mean, in particular, um, you know, the fact that I had twins at the time, probably the reason I wrote the book about it instead of twins, and I, I took the book and said, okay, if, if you've got two 16-year-olds, absolute novices of money, let alone anything, and you can teach them, then you can teach anyone. See, a lot of adults, unfortunately, think they know, and it, it's, it's what they think is right that is actually wrong that's destroying their wealth habits and their wealth future. Um, so, yeah, I took it right back to the beginning and said, if you had to learn wealth from the beginning, here's what you need to learn. And it was interesting, I had a good buddy of mine the other day and he's got multiple businesses and his lifetime owned literally hundreds and hundreds of pieces of real estate. And uh, he read the book and he said, you know what, I'm, I'm giving this to so many people because you've said all the things that I wish I could teach all my family and friends, but they'll never listen to me about it. And if, if, I, give it, if I give them your book, at least they'll learn it and go, wow, isn't that Brad guy a genius? even though he's been telling them the same stuff, you know? It's, but yeah, I remember reading um, Billionaire in Training. I think I must have been 25 at the time. Um, and some of the topics that you speak about are so bloody simple. You know, you sit back and you think, how the hell have I never looked at it that way before? Uh, you have a way to game changer. When people read that, it is a life-changing game changer for them because... I don't think many people have ever actually been taught how wealth happens. You know, how do you actually become rich? And, and well, no, it's because most people who are me don't want to teach. They, once you're rich, it's rare they take the time to teach anymore, buddy, and that's where, you know, I, I remember I was in Dublin early this year 
And prior to me was Lady Michelle Mullen, and after me speaking was Sir Richard Branson. So I was like, you know, you've got you've got the lady and the lord and the convict in the middle. <laughs> but it's interesting when you sit down and you look at people who have built wealth who are willing to teach. There's something about that, and that's where you know when we we put this book together. I, I got to be honest, I'm really proud of what we've put together because of the fact that it, it's it's one of those things where anyone can actually read this, understand it, and get the fundamental core of this is what wealth looks like. And even my buddy, who's very wealthy man, he said, geez, there's some principles in there that I've totally never used and never even knew about, and there's a bunch of them that I've forgotten that I needed to be reminded of. And so he's making some much better decisions this month after reading it. So, Tell us a little bit more about your definition of wealth because people look at wealth from different angles. People see cash as wealthy. And well, they see differently. When, when you look at wealth, you've got to understand several things. Firstly, there's a difference between rich and wealthy. A rich person has money. A wealthy person has money and the time to enjoy it. So time is a very big part of wealth. I mean... It's like, you know, yes, I have, what are we now, uh, 11 different companies I own and, um, you know, property everywhere and shares and all that sort of stuff. And, and I still have more time to myself and my family than your average person who works a nine to five. Um, now, I don't say that to impress anyone, but to impress upon you by using the principles. Um, so wealth is about a combination of two things, cash flow and capital. Firstly, you want to build your cash flow. Now, cash flow by a job is great, but the challenge with that is eventually it becomes limited by the amount of time you can allocate. Unless you become really great up here and then you, your cash flow from your job is high or, you know, you're a rock star performer or all that. If you go back and read many years ago, uh, there was a great book called The Millionaire Next Door. And the two, two guys that did that, they surveyed 4,000 millionaire households and realised that it was 73 or something percent of all millionaire households are people that own their own business. So you sit there and you go, well, hang on, if you're an average punter and you want to actually become rich, pretty good chance it's not by being a rock star, a movie star, you're not going to inherit it, um, you're not going to be a, a David Beckham and go and win the soccer. So pretty good chance if 73% of them are from owning their own business, that's probably the route you want to go down. Right? And so that's the fundamental. But you've got to build cash flow first. From cash flow, you've got to turn that into capital asset back because it's the asset that produces money while you sleep, you know, and that's that's ultimately what – I mean, if you want to be wealthy, you've got to have – you've got to make money while you're in bed. You know, and I'll, I'll be blunt about it, John. Why do I write books? Two, to, one, to educate people, but two, see, I wrote this book one time. I don't have to write it a thousand times. I will make money off this book until I die, and then for 75 years after that, my family will inherit the royalties from every book that's sold. Now, again, not to impress people, but if you learn the core principle of leverage, do the work once, get paid forever, and again, we write that up in the book and how that works and everything. If you learn these core principles, then you understand what. Um, you understand how it happens, why it happens to someone. I've met many people over the years, John, who they've been to a bunch of seminars on investing and stuff, but because they don't understand the principles, they don't use them. They don't understand the reason why, therefore, it doesn't happen. 
The reason why is more important than the what and the how. Absolutely. So why, in fact, maybe I'll ask the what first. So who should read this book? What stage of their life should they be at to read this book? Is it literally, because I know you write in such a way that no matter where you are, anyone can sort of get the principle, but is there a specific readership for this book specifically? Or? Uh, those who actually desire wealth. If you have no desire for wealth, please don't read the book. I mean, but I've written it so that a 15 year old can read it and I've written it so that a highly skilled investor will still get more core principles. You know, I've, I've shown the book to everyone from top end to the bottom end of investing scale and there's not anyone that didn't walk out learning five or six core principles that they've either forgotten, didn't know about that. But then on the young end of the scale, I would rather they learned it before they made all the mistakes. You know, it's, as you know with Action Coach, we had a lot of people come to us after they've made all the mistakes and then it's like, geez, you're a lot harder to fix than someone who did. Um, so, yeah, I, like, I, I would like to think that everyone watching that has teenage kids or, or younger family members would go and buy 10 copies and give it to them all because if you can get them early, you don't have to worry about it. I've taught this for many years that the world doesn't need more employees, it needs more employers, it needs wealthy people, it needs investors, it needs business owners who create jobs rather than people who need a job. So, so important. And we'll post a link down below. I mean, it's already a bestseller on Amazon, but we'll, we'll post a link below on where to get it and how to buy it. I think this one's also on Audible. So you can download the Audible as well. All out there, you know, everyone can go grab it and all that sort of stuff. Um, I'm, 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 I'm a definite audible person, I'm a definite listener, but I, these days I like to, the reason I like a book like this, and, and I would say read it with a highlighter pen or read it with some post-it notes or something like that because there's going to be a dozen or two dozen things that are going to mean a lot to you. Same as you've got quotes up on the back of the wall there, there's a lot of quotes in this that I would imagine people need to grab and put up on the wall to just remind themselves of each of the core principles. It, it's funny. I was, um, I was re watching an interview of Bill Gates the other day and he said exactly the same thing that you should never treat a book with respect. <laughs> you should treat it as a notebook and literally beat the living shit out of it with a pen. So I got uh, a gift uh, the other day, uh, a gentleman from Malaysia who's read my books maybe 14, 15 years ago. And he gave me both of the books as a gift with all of his notes and markings and everything. And I was like, these are a much better looking book than the brand new ones that you put up on the wall. Absolutely. You know a good book when you look at it in the bookshelf and all the pages are turned up in the corner. You know, you've read it, you've read it again, you've read it again, you've read it again. Um, all right, so we'll post all the links um, below on where to get the where to download the audio and where you can get the book um, in paperback as well. All right, two final questions for you, Brad that we ask everybody that comes on the, on the podcast. One, you go back to yourself, now you're 15 years old, what's the one piece of advice that you'd give yourself? Go faster. <laughs> uh, retiring at 24 just wasn't quick enough, eh? No, but look, the, the thing is, when you're young, um, you have a distinct advantage and a distinct disadvantage of being young. The advantage is you're naive enough to not realise what you can't do, you know? And, and I still remember, so I met Jim Rohn at 16, I remember telling my friend that I was going to retire at 25, and his dad, he went and told his dad, and his dad sat us both down and teach us how that's not possible, can't happen, 
won't happen. And I said, I went, ah, oh, buggered, I'm going to make this happen just in spite of all of that. But I still, there's times when as a young person you doubt yourself and you just don't go as fast as you could because you're like, maybe I, you know, go faster. Yeah, we've had, we've had um, some really great, great people on, on the podcast over the last few weeks. And it's all a similar message. Make decisions quicker. Don't doubt yourself. Go out and do. Think later. And that one, go faster. I absolutely love that. And the final thing is, there's going to be thousands of people over the coming weeks and months that are going to listen to this and some will watch the clips as well. What would you say the single piece uh, of sort of best advice that you could give to the small to medium-sized business owner to get their business to become a little bit better? What piece of advice would you give? Get a coach. <laughs> My details will also be posted below. In all seriousness, yes. In all seriousness, you don't expect to succeed in sport without a coach. You don't find singers without singing coaches. What, what is it with business people we think we can succeed without a coach? You know, write a business plan, get a coach. You wouldn't build a house without a plan. Why, what makes you think you can build a business without a plan? You know, um, read. Read is another one. Keep reading. You know, I talk about in The Wealth Coach, um, every person should have a company that's called their wealth company. Like you would have John Asquith Investments or John Asquith family wealth or whatever. I don't know what your company's name, but everyone should have that company and that company should have a business plan. So, look, a small to medium-sized business owner, first things first, become good at making money. Become good at the money-making side of the business, not just the doing side of it or delivery side of the business. Get good at the sales, get good at the marketing, and, and that's where the real stuff comes yeah, I remember, um, God, many, many moons ago, you taught um, to have three bank accounts. And that, I, I still ask people that today. So how many accounts do you have? Because I speak to so many people that are in so much debt. And that's because they're trading out of one account. So they're trading, you know, day-to-day -day operations, bills, um, their, their profits, and also their taxes and VAT and everything else all coming out of one account. And you, if you don't have a bank account for taxes, you're going to get in trouble. If you don't have a bank account for profits, you're never going to have any. So, yeah, you must have the three bank accounts. The trading one and the other two are always going to be necessary. I even, always in, even in your personal life, if you don't have a, an investment bank account, you're never going to invest. Um, I always thank you, Brad, for keeping it super simple because the simpler it is, the easier it is to do. And ultimately, if it's not simple, we won't do. So thank you ever so much for being part of our podcast. I'm glad you caught me just after a board meeting here in the boardroom. It's beautiful, um, by the way. Oh, you know, well, look, this is where we do our actual work, you know, a teamwork. We don't make decisions in an office by yourself. You make decisions with the team, and, and that's the way it works. So it's lots more fun that way. So many golden nuggets today. Thanks ever so much for sharing, Brad. Thanks, buddy. Great interview.